0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello again, everybody. How's everybody's morning going, or afternoon, I guess, now? Ah, I got my election, post-election day hangover going, Of course, you guys know we did a show last night, a live stream, which I published earlier today. And as promised, I'm going to do a short little follow-up because when I went to sleep, we didn't know who was going to win. It definitely looked as though Donald Trump was in the driver's seat. But wow, certainly looks like there's some chicanery going on if you're looking at the vote totals that came in from places like Michigan, from Wisconsin overnight. You know, we're looking at Pennsylvania now, still uncounted, but they're saying that there's 1.2 million votes yet to be counted in there. And one has to wonder if they are going to have an unprecedented amount of those votes. Like, for example, in I think it was Wisconsin and Michigan. I think both of them had something like 100,000 votes come in magically enough to push Joe Biden past Trump that all seem to go for Biden. All these votes come in right? 130,000 votes or whatever it is are counted. And virtually every single one of them goes to Biden. Now, I know that Biden is more likely to get those early mail-in votes. We know by far that Trump voters went in person. They didn't trust the mail-in process as much. But you got to think that some of those would have, right? And I'm not saying that there is large-scale election fraud going on necessarily. I know Trump is uh, going to ask for a recount in Wisconsin, I'm sure he will ask for one in Michigan as well, as well as in Arizona and possibly Nevada. I mean, all these places are falling within. I think Nevada right now is, yeah, within a percentage point I'm looking right now. Uh, Arizona seems to be a lost cause, although the Trump campaign seems to think that they're going to pull that out. And Pennsylvania is now only 8% ahead for Trump. This is as of uh Ram roughly around noon Pacific time. So, I don't know. As I said before, you know, when you have mail-in voting like this, it invites fraud. And you also have, what, what especially pissed me off going into this, not only, you know, fuck Pennsylvania, by the way. Fuck Pennsylvania in the fucking ass for doing this bullshit, for not getting their crap together. I know by state law, they're not allowed to open the ballots before. Well, then change it. Change the law to enable you to open ballots before every other state did it, open them up as they come in, You'll check them out, keep them in a safe place, open them as they're accessed rather than keeping everybody waiting, which not only leads to leads everyone to think that there could be voter fraud going on because isn't it amazing that in all of these states that stopped and you know, didn't stop, didn't report anymore after whatever it was two in the morning and then magically add on 130,000 votes for one candidate Why would people not presume that something shitty is going on there? But suffice to say, keeping everybody waiting for up to a week, because you could keep mailing them in, you know, all these envelopes are postmarked by election day, which means they could still arrive anytime in the next two days, three days. There might be some stragglers coming in four days late because the USPS was slow in getting them. Now they're doing sweeps of the postal service to make sure that the mail, you know, the mail-in ballots weren't left on the floor, stuck in a machine. All of this shit should have been happening ahead of time. And it drives me up the wall that Pennsylvania is now holding everybody hostage in order to facilitate the most retarded process I've ever seen in my life. The incompetence on display here is shocking. But getting back to why I do think that there actually is rampant fraud, and I said before that mail in invites fraud, is because. The Democrats' favorite tool, and Republicans have done this too, I think, in one or two states, but predominantly it's been found to be uh, the Democratic states that have done more of this because they've got the motivated people on the ground. And we saw Project Veritas had exposed in Minneapolis this exact process going on for Ilhan Omar is ballot harvesting. When you have massive amounts of mail-in ballots going out, when they're sending ballots like in California, everyone got a ballot. Then you have ample opportunity to have shady individuals who are very politically motivated, obviously, go around. Go to these old folks' homes, go to these homeless people's houses, go to old abandoned mail places, go to, you know, whoever's going to be not checking their mail regularly or easily could get their mail taken from them. And per the Project Veritas thing, they're talking about how you just go up to them and just you know, basically take them from the old people. And there's people you know literally talking about how this has happened to people they know. They come in, take the ballot. What are you going to do about it? So they take these ballots, fill them out however the fuck they want. And then they mail them in, and because places like, "Oh, guess who, Wisconsin, places like, "Oh, Pennsylvania" had said that they are not going to compare signatures. They don't even have to have a legible signature for the vote to count. So you are literally taking a ballot that they don't know if it's received by the person it's intended for. They don't know if the person has even signed it because they're not going to check or they're not going to compare. How does that not? invite ballot harvesting and voter fraud. How does it not? Now, again, Donald Trump is no saint. I'm not, uh, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I voted for Joe Jorgensen, even though, like I said, she was not my favorite person in the world. I still figured I'm going to vote for her, uh, especially in California where it, it wouldn't have mattered. Even if I really wanted Trump to come through and I had a passionate support for him, it wouldn't have fucking mattered in California. But I voted for JoJo. And I will say, though, I am rooting for Trump to win this because I feel that Donald Trump has done far less damage, uh, well, except fiscally, but I can't see that. I can't see the fiscal damage being any uh, less under a Democratic leadership. But he has not continued to, or I should say he has not started new wars. He's done a fair decent amount with uh, regulations. The tax cuts have been helpful, especially the corporate tax cuts. The tariffs are, of course, nonsensical bullshit. But again, I don't expect that to be much better under Democrats. He's done some things that I would say that I agree with, even though the war in Yemen is atrocious and his vetoing of the uh, of the bill that would have reigned in that war powers is is atrocious. But he does seem to be moving troops out. He seems to be uh, interested in no longer staying in Afghanistan, no longer staying in Iraq, uh, pulling out of Syria. These are things that we've seen some concrete moves on, even if it's not as fast as we'd like. That is not going to happen under Joe Biden, who, of course, has horrible foreign policy and has basically he's a neoliberal. He has no interest in pulling us out of these foreign interventions. He would continue and probably, uh, I would say, arguably ramp them up even more so. But I could even deal with doddering old imbecile Joe Biden in the White House if there was somebody behind him who I did not utterly despise, which is, of course, Kamala Harris. And the thought of that piece of shit getting into office and probably becoming the president, because if you're listening to Joe Biden speak, he's slurring his words, he is incoherent half the time, he clearly has dementia, and he is not long for that office. She is likely to take over as president of the United States. This horrible, garbage human being who has literally got, you know, literally slept her way into positions uh, with Mayor Willie Brown in San Francisco, used every means of underhanded, dirty tricks, denying people DNA testing to keep a man on death row, denying people uh, access to evidence. Draconian enforcement of laws threatening people that had, you know, basically working mothers or or women that were barely basically staying off the streets by pennies on a day, whose kids weren't going to school, threatening them with throwing them into prison. Just a real garbage human being is now who's going to be in the White House and in all likelihood leading the nation. That is something that I absolutely can't stomach and why I so vehemently am rooting for Donald Trump to come and pull this out. And, you know... I guess I feel about Kamala Harris, how the left feels about Trump. Like, I mean, when I hear her speak, when I see her visage on the television, it gives me revulsions. Like, my stomach starts to heave because I want to vomit up the awfulness that this woman has put into my body by her sheer presence. She is garbage. And the fact that these fucking leftist dickheads have put forth this, again, doddering imbecile followed up with this disgusting human being as their ticket and voted them through, even though they're promising, you know, none of what they're promising is going to come to fruition. You know, if we're talking about black lives matter and all this shit, nothing's going to change in regards to policing. Kamala Harris is a cop. Biden has no interest in doing any of that shit. He, he's only doing it for political expediency and these fucking morons are voting people in thinking that somehow change is going to happen When no change is going to happen, not for the black communities, not for you know, not for any of these communities that they say they give a shit about, not for the Latin communities. No people of, of any level that is above or actually just above or roughly around the poverty line is going to change drastically, other than maybe they get a few extra dollars in their welfare checks. But Joe Biden doesn't seem to have any interest in really decriminalizing marijuana, decriminalizing or ending the drug war. Kamala Harris definitely doesn't. And that's the driving force that is really centric is so many of the issues that are affecting populations, over-policing, why you have so much violence in these communities, why you have these altercations between police officers and black men or black women, uh, and why a lot of these, you know, whether they're justified or not, these shootings, like I would argue that the, the shooting that happened in Philadelphia that caused nights and nights of burning and looting and rioting, which, of course, the leftists also refuse to fucking condemn for the longest time. But even if they shoot a black guy who's wielding a knife, I would say that's probably on the justified side. But there are plenty of instances wherein maybe this maybe a black man isn't shot, but he's taken into custody, he's harassed, he's removed from his family, he's jailed for a, a non-violent sentence, or even if it is a violent sentence, it may be a situation wherein What else is he going to do? Because he might have a criminal record already. There may just be an environment of violence built up around him from the culture that exists in these communities that have been so beaten down, that have been basically put into this cage by democratic policies over time that is so difficult to get out of. None of that's going to change. None of the rhetoric from the left is going to change. And the most upsetting thing to me is that all this fucking wokeism nonsense now. They're not going to consider the fact that they nearly lost. Let's say Biden does win. They're not going to take into account that they almost had four more years of Trump, a man that they find to be the Antichrist, and that their idiotic, nonsensical and non-functional woke bullshit policies are what would have assured that he kept going. Instead, they're going to say, oh, wait, who did you do? We won. I guess we're on the right track. Let's keep pushing this woke nonsense. Let's keep pandering to these fucking socialists. Let's keep excusing Antifa. Let's keep cancel culturing. Let's keep censoring. Let's keep kissing the asses of these little college fucking whiny douchebags that live out there. Let's make sure that we cater to these people nonstop and not address any of the problems. And I see the country quickly going downhill. I mean, I am desperately worried. Now, if there's one silver lining, you know, enough enough negativity for now. We'll see how it shakes out. But if there is one silver lining to this election cycle, it is that it looks as though even if Biden gets in, the Republicans will keep the Senate. So that puts at least one check in there. And the House, I think the Democrats are going to retain the House, but they got a pretty good drubbing. As of the last time I looked, I think they had seated six seats in the House. And that may end up being even more. It might be end up even being 8 or 10 by the end of the day. But above and beyond, drugs won the day. Drugs are winning the drug war. <laughs> Thank God for that. And hooray for drugs. Because we saw in uh, New Jersey, they legalized marijuana. We saw that in, uh, I think, several other states across the board, they either decriminalized or legalized marijuana. And Oregon became the first state in the United States to decriminalize possession of cocaine, possession of LSD, uh, I believe uh, psilocybin, whatever, magic mushrooms, psilocybin, psilocybin, I think that's the word. So that got on there. And that's just fucking awesome. Because at least, you know, if there's one thing, (laughs) at least we can get with the left on the drug war, at least uh, under the presidential ticket, we can get with the left of the drug war. And you're finally seeing that this old school connotation that the drugs are going to be bad and the drugs are a gateway to all sorts of these horrible things is finally falling to the wayside. And we see that it's not the drugs that are the problem here. It is enforcement policies and prohibition around the drugs that is ruining lives. Because if you have something legalized, if you have it decriminalized, and if you have it out in the open, like they do in, uh, in Peru... I'm sorry, is it Peru? I'm thinking of, no, I'm sorry, Portugal then you don't have overdoses. You have quality in what you're getting in the product. You have people that can go to get help should they need it and don't turn to street drugs that they can't trust that they're going to OD on. They don't turn to crime necessarily. They don't have to hide and run away from their families. They're not just disappearing into the streets, into the gutters to go and chase their habit where they feel there is no other alternative. They're pushed to the wayside by a society that treats this not as a symptomatic issue, or an addiction uh, based upon a substance, but instead as though these people have something fundamentally wrong with them that has to be shunned and looked down upon as they sip sit around and sip their, uh, their martinis, their legal martinis, and uh, and toke their legal weed and then tucked out at people who happen to get addicted to heroin or whatever else. So that's a great step forward uh, in realizing that, you know, once you do embrace these things and look at them from a different way that we can help society so much more. And just from a pure fucking status standpoint, isn't it so much better to have something? And if from a libertarian standpoint, this is still the better way to look at it as well. I would rather have something legalized and taxed than have people's lives literally being ruined and have them being thrown into cages and having their freedom removed and their future freedoms, you know, rights to vote, rights to bear arms, et cetera, taken away from them. I know it's a bitter pill to swallow, but I would still rather have that scenario than have this ongoing outward war that is absolutely destroying lives and ripping families away. Now, a couple of interesting things, you know, here in California, we had a lot of ballot measures that really pissed me off, which is why I had to make sure I was going to vote because I wasn't uh, necessarily so inspired by Joe Jorg that I would have gone to the ballot box on, uh, on voting day. I went before voting day, actually, because California, unlike fucking Pennsylvania, did it the right way and actually had voting centers where you could go vote in person for two weeks leading up to it, as well as mailing in. And also, you could go in person and change your vote, should you so desire, uh, even after mailing in by going to a voting center. Uh, it was a fairly simple process. I didn't have to wait in the long line or anything. But these ballot measures on there were some important things. And one of them, which is definitely going to pass, but passed to a shockingly low number, was Prop 22, which Prop 22 was one of the most expensive ballots ever. I mean, there were, I think, like hundreds of million dollars spent on this stuff by Uber and Lyft and other uh, delivery, you know, DoorDash and these other basically tech companies that are using gig labor. And I talked about how California, again, leading the nation in fucking absolutely buttfuck retarded uh, policy. California had a bill called AB5, which essentially outlawed gig labor to a large extent. And this really screwed over writing populations, people that were freelance writers. It screwed over delivery drivers. It screwed over, uh, you know, Lyft drivers. Oh, anybody that's kind of taking a gig as it goes because it mandated that these people be given full benefits, full 40-hour work weeks, and all this other stupid union-driven garbage. Which, of course, like anything, only serves to boost their own industries up while crushing competitors that were putting them out of business. And with and for good reason, because they had a vastly superior product that everybody was using. So what happened? Well, as soon as this thing came into effect, getting an Uber, getting a Lyft, getting all these things became a huge issue because what happens, and this is why so many people that were Uber and Lyft drivers, something like 85% of them supported this, you know, and 85% of these gig workers that were impacted by it supported Prop 22, getting rid of uh, full-time health insurance and all these other things that they were forcing through because most people doing these jobs, just like most people that are doing minimum wage jobs are not doing it for a living. They're doing it as a part-time job or an introduction job or a, a stop gap in on the way to doing something else. And that was the freedom and beauty of driving for Lyft and Uber. You could log on whenever you wanted. You didn't have to get your you know, go into a physical office and chunk chunk your pay card. You didn't have to worry about showing up and being there for specific hours, specific days. You did it on your own goddamn schedule. And because of the needs of people, where you're coming out of a bar at two in the morning, somebody could just chill, you know, get home from work, come sleep, hang out for a little bit, wake up at two. Go out, drive for a couple hours, make yourself, you know, 100, 200 bucks or whatever it might be, driving people around and dropping them back off. And then you go back home and then you go to work the next day. It's a stopgap or you do it on your weekend or a lot of retired people. A lot of the Ubers I would be in would be retired people. I'm sure those of you out there have used these services, had the same experience. Same thing with DoorDash. Same thing with any of these services that people can log on optionally and drive when they want. And that was the fucking point of them. So California forcing people to do full-time work eliminated some 70% of the driving pool. And on the same note, the the employers aren't going to pay that many people. How would they possibly keep that many people on? Now you have to go through all sorts of hoops. Now you have to go through all sorts of schedule making to make sure that these people are driving at the right time. Because if you're paying them full-time hours and full-time wages and full-time healthcare, you goddamn better make sure that they're driving full-time, right? So stupid. So they got it, you know, they got a judge's decision to keep, to halt that AB5 for a little while while they're fighting it. Now it looks like it has been repealed, but only something like, at last time I looked at the polls, 54% or something like that of people had voted for Prop 22 to to basically repeal this, at least portion of stupid AB5. Which makes me realize 46% of Californians are beyond savably just retarded just above and beyond their brains have turned to liberal you know ultra progressive mush they have been ruined they are no longer reachable they cannot be converted they cannot be brought back from the brink because something this obvious when you have 80 percent of the people at impact saying we don't want this when you've got entire industries being crushed and these people it's not like they don't use uber and lyft and i have to think also that covid played a role in this because people are not using them as much so it was kind of a perfect time to have people be this ignorant of the issue because you're not going out as much. You're not taking an Uber. You're not taking a Lyft because there's nowhere to go. So you're not going to experience in California the wait times, the cancellations constantly, uh, cycling through, not being able to find a car. And then when you finally get one, it's four times more expensive than it would have been any other time in history. But 46% of people voted to try to keep this in place, because yeah, go unions. Yeah, they deserve real lives. They deserve healthcare. Just because someone drives an Uber doesn't mean that they should not be able to go to the dermatologist if they think that they have a herpes sore. I fucking hate the people in this state. I hate them so much. Oh, but there were a couple other victories, and I know you guys are like, well, I don't care about California politics." But there were a couple other big victories on there. They had another proposition that was going to basically increase the amount of rent control that could be put on properties that was uh that was roundly rejected that gave me some hope at least and that i think was something like 59% of californians rejected it but that at least gives you hope that people are actually trying to understand or starting to understand the real issues behind housing shortages and how this is not something that can be wished away by rent control because rent control Actually keeps people that should not be in those houses that don't need to be in lower rent uh, areas, keeps them embedded in there. It keeps them basically squatting in these places for years and actually stymies the housing supply. Because if you've got people that are forced to undersell their property, you discourage new property building. Now, there's a lot more that goes into this uh, because... California also has all these environmental regulations which are used by the NIMBYs to stop new construction. They mandate that you have to have low-income housing and low-income units in anything you build. There are years and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of red tape and permitting and all this other, just all these barriers to creating new housing in California, and they keep tacking onto it. So it was refreshing to see this rejected. Another one I voted on, which uh, would please Felony Friday's John Odermatt, is that California voted to uh, give back voting rights to felons. And now I'm not sure of the exact specifics. I would have to reread the bill, but it wasn't every single felon, but I believe it was something like, you know, maybe like nonviolent felons or something like that coming out. So that was excellent to see um and and again, another resounding victory for uh, simple justice. the only the only drawback of it was that, you know, the, I looked at the cost of everything and it was projected to cost a couple more million, which pisses me off. but whatever. California has been taking so much money from so many places and throwing it down the garbage for so long that uh, it was good to see that. Another one I have to see if it passed was, uh, and I voted against, was, again, every ballot measure ever in California has more money to be diverted to schooling. So I vote no on every single one of those, but I'm sure it passed because they always pass. (laughs) They always pass because people are stupid. And they don't realize that 99% of the time these go into slush funds. They don't go to fix the roads. They don't go to fix the schools. They just go into the union's pockets or they go into, as I said, the slush fund for the unfunded liabilities, which are crushing every state. And California is right in there with all the other states out there, you know, the Illinois of the world where these politicians promise the world to unions. Then they kick the can down the road and they say, okay, well, we'll push this forward and we'll fund this. we we'll worry about these guy's, uh, you know, 35 years from now when all these people are going to retire. And now whoops, billions of dollars in budget shortfalls. So maybe fun approaching that fiscal cliff. Anyway, that's all I really had to say. Uh, maybe I'll tackle on one more thing. It's just, um, you know the polls, once again, and I, I have to to toot my horn. And most of the lions were were right about this. We were talking about how the polls were so off, and clearly and obviously, uh, definitely off. Like you heard the debate recap, the lions and the the We Are Libertarians guys were going back and forth on the polling. I, I couldn't believe the faith that uh, that Chris and and Reinhold had in the polls. Chris, to a lesser extent, but I, I just, why would you ever think the polling would be accurate? You're seeing. The quote unquote shy Trump voter here. I mean, in what world would you not think it would be more profoundly pronounced after four years of attacks, of Russiagate, of cancel culture, of college, of you know, these whiny little turds on college campuses marching around, of people being fired for their political opinions? Why would anybody think the polls are accurate? So I say, thank God, ring in the death knell of the polling industry. All it does is poison the well. All it does, all it's useful for is voter suppression, like I was saying in the earlier show. <laughs> I still think it's hilarious, by the way, that the Democrats talk about voter suppression and now this, uh, this turnout. By the way, Trump got double the amount of black support that he got last time. And that's without you know all the Detroit votes coming in. Uh, we're still counting. But he doubled it from 9 to 18%. That was as of last night in the black, uh, black men, black women, I think, doubled something from like five to nine percent. So, again, very surprising, because if you if you take Donald Trump and you say, OK, he's doubling his black support, you would expect that that would be a fairly large victory for him. Which, again, is why I think there's a lot of shady, shady shenanigans going on behind the scenes here. All right, that'll wrap up this little bonus episode, guys. Uh, I should be having Rob Schneider on for my next episode. I, uh, I got to ping him again and set up a time for Rob and I to jump on the old Zoom machine. But he should be on for next week's episode talking about the election, talking about his career, et cetera. I had confirmed with him. And yes, the real Rob Schneider. <laughs> I had confirmed with him a couple weeks back and we said, we're going to wait till after the election. So I'm going to ping through to him again, get that set up. And, uh, yeah, sit in guys. Cause it's going to be a long while and a lot of lawsuits until this election is actually settled. But until then I'm Brian McWilliams. This is the Lions of Liberty and electric liberal Land. liberal <laughs> Land? what am I? Joe Biden <laughs> from electric Liberty land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.